Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one-stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self-awareness, sustainability and consistency, training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Right, welcome back. This is episode 127, and I am no longer by myself. I have Ash here with me, and then we have a special guest here as well. Uh, Laura Gordy is on the show, and we're going to give her a moment here to explain a little bit about who she is, what she does, and why she does it. So, Laura, go ahead and take it away. Wow, just opening it on up there. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for having me, Derek and Ashley. I'm super honored to be connected with you guys, and um, honored to be here and talking about all the nitty gritty things. It's going to be a fun episode because talking about pelvic health is fun. You know, you get to say fun words like we were talking about, like <laughs> orgasm and clitoris and stuff like that, you know, things nobody wants to talk about. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Yeah, no, we appreciate you being here so much and we're really looking forward to the conversation. And so I guess we can just hop right into it here and Obviously, just based off anyone visits your Instagram profile, they know that you're a physical therapist. So why don't you just talk a little bit about how long you've been a physical therapist, what motivated you to get into that field, uh, and any other details you want to include? Sure. Yeah, I have been a physical therapist for five years and doing pelvic health almost that entire time. I'll be honest, I um, had zero interest in pelvic health in school. Some people just want to do it, and I did not. And when my boss asked me to fill in, I was like, to be honest, I did not pay attention in school with pelvic health. So <laughs> sorry. And she's like, no, it's okay. I just need someone to fill in. And I really wanted to work with runners. So pelvic health was um, at the time, not in my wheelhouse at all. And I got that first eval and I'll never forget. She um, sat down and just immediately started crying when I asked her why she came in today. And she had had pain with sex for 16 years. And during, you know, ever since she got married, she'd had two kids during that time. And um, obviously my heart broke for her um, and never really dealt with anything like that from a physical therapy standpoint. And so after working with her for a few months, getting to see the transformation in her marriage and in her, even just her countenance walking into the clinic when she'd come in, it was the coolest thing. And I just, I fell, I fell in love with it. Absolutely. And especially being in a Southern state where people don't want to say certain words. Um, it's nice to get to meet people in their most vulnerable states. And um, yeah, I love it so much. 
Yeah, that's an awesome story. And really interesting that pelvic floor was something that you definitely were not into. So when you had that first experience with that client that you were sort of filling in for, were you thinking, holy shit, like, I just want to get this over with, like, let's get as many sessions in as we can and check it off the list. Or did as each session happen, you thought, oh, I think like I can get into this. I'm really enjoying this. I think we can make a big difference. You know, it's just funny. And and I don't know. I mean, I'm getting to know you guys and I don't know your backgrounds, but um, my, my faith journey is a huge part of my story. And so you know, I wanted to get into the healing profession because I've just seen God do so much healing and I wanted to be a part of that. And, um, so when I got that first person, you know, that woman sitting there, I just immediately was like, Oh my goodness, I could see such an amazing ministry opportunity here. Again, being from the South, it's just such taboo and so much religious kind of oppression around your pelvic identity, um, for males and females, you just don't talk about things and be, I was living in the state or the city in Louisiana. That's got like the most churches per mile of, I think any city in America. And so it's just very churched. And, um, so I just loved getting to, like I said, meet people in that very intimate, vulnerable area. And so I know I knew after talking to her, I was like, if I can get good at this, I, I think I would love this ministry opportunity. Um, but being a new grad, I had a lot of learning to do and it took me a while to get there for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's another interesting point is the you know the location you were in, in Louisiana. When you started expressing interest in this to you know your your spouse and some family and friends, other coworkers, was it? did that taboo like stigma come in there and they were like, what are you talking about? Why would you, is that even a thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's up and coming in the PT world in general, pelvic health is, but when you go into a Southern state and when you go into kind of a smaller city and a Southern state, um, it wasn't well known, which is partially why that patient, it took her 16 years to get help. Um, There's just not a lot of help, but it's growing. And that city has, several pelvic floor therapists now. And, and so it wasn't really in, in my family, I have a very, um, open family and, and even my mom, you know, growing up was very much like, you can ask me anything you want. You know, she wasn't, she, there was not a lot of shame in my family specifically. Um, but the problem is even with a mom that open or mom and dad that open, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what to ask. And so you don't, you know, if your mom never peed on herself, like what, I didn't know what to do when I went running one day and peed on myself. Like, I was like, is this normal? I don't know. My mom didn't talk to me about this. So it wasn't really taboo. It was just unknown, really. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's a really good point. It's something that Ash has brought up quite a bit over recent weeks, like in the pregnancy is how like this pelvic pain she's experiencing and just some of these other like symptoms, I guess you could call them how no one talks about it, how no one talks about how you're going to experience those things. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's like you said, it's, you don't know until you know, I guess, or until you uh, learn right. from somebody else. Well, if they haven't experienced pelvic pain in their pregnancy, they don't know to tell you it's a possibility or maybe they thought 
it was just part of it and there's nothing you can do about it or maybe they just don't want to admit that they struggled or I don't know there's lots of reasons I guess people don't talk about it yeah that that's it makes me laugh that you just said that because that's a a common response and I think that's with any like medical field but that's like a common response that we're getting currently is like oh it's just it's part of pregnancy and I'm like I know enough I've done enough research that I know like it may be a part of it but you can do something about it sure um and I think being pregnant I I do agree with you I think it's like an up-and-coming like field or like what what's the word I'm looking for field specialization specialization and I think that's so exciting because it's something that I just wish that I dove more into like pre-pregnancy because I just just find it so interesting yeah we I, I mean obviously ideal world you are perfectly on top of your health all the time you know y'all know you have to I love how y'all's kind of vibe is very hey do what you can make the next right choice but you can't do all the perfect things all the time you you know you got to live your life at some point and um, eat the cookie you know Mm -hmm. at some point but so ideally you're working with a pelvic floor therapist before your pregnancy during your pregnancy after your pregnancy but you know, if you don't know, or you don't have time, or there's just so many reasons why it's hard. It's hard to get out there. But a big reason is you don't know. Or if you're dealing, I mean, you're dealing with the pregnancy side of it, but a lot of people are coming in, never being pregnant. Um, They're having a ton of pain, uh, especially pain with sex. That's something so common that I see. But if you can't even say the word vagina, like it is very hard to get over some of those stigmas. In fact, like, I hope you're okay with me doing this. Like for your listeners, I hope that you, if it's making you uncomfortable to hear me say these words, if you're just kind of like flinching a little bit when I say labia, like I want you to pause the podcast and I really do encourage you to say some of these words out loud, like any anatomical term you can think of, like penis, I don't know, just say, words out loud even if you're in starbucks just pause the podcast (laughs) and go to the bathroom and say the words out loud because these aren't cuss words they're not slang terms they are i mean you pick up an anatomy textbook they are in there and that's what you call your shoulder your shoulder you call your rotator cuff your rotator cuff why are we ashamed of your pelvic anatomy and not your cervical anatomy or your wrist or whatever you know so true so true yeah i really like that that's a great point and to kind of segue off of that when we're talking about pelvic floor physical therapy can you just briefly like summarize what that is to someone listening who's like i don't even know what the fuck they're talking about (laughs) yeah um so we are we're trained very um just the same as every other physical therapist so i have my doctorate in physical therapy and for some people they learn about pelvic health education in school. Um, For most of us, that's a post-doctorate education. We have to get continuing ed for that. Your pelvic floor, so you know what your pelvis is. It's around your hips, your tailbone, your pubic bone, that whole general area is your pelvis. Your pelvic floor is, I know you can't see me listeners, but I'm like making a bowl with my hands. So your pelvic floor makes a bowl in your pelvis and it kind of supports all your organs and it's responsible for 
urination, defecation, it's sexual pleasure, um, obviously holding babies and birthing babies. Um, it creates support for your entire system. And y'all in the fitness industry know that your pelvis is a huge kind of, it's like where everything stems from. I mean, if you don't have a solid core, it's really hard to do anything else. And so your pelvic floor muscles are such a huge component of your overall stability and strength. So as pelvic floor therapists, yes, it's easy to just say like, oh, we deal with the pelvic floor muscles. We deal with leaking or issues with bowel movements or pain with sex or, you know, just all the things that are right there. But it's so much more than that. You know, sometimes you'll get a runner who's got shin splints, but it has nothing to do with their legs or their hip. It's their pelvic floor or vice versa. Sometimes we'll get a crossfitter who's leaking and you think, oh, pelvic floor, but really their foot has a um, rotation issue and that's what's causing their leaking. So it's, it's still whole body. We just really like to talk about uncomfortable stuff. That's what makes us different as pelvic floor therapists. <laughs> <I> <laughs> no, love I, that. that's good. That's good. And I, I love how you mentioned like the upstream downstream effect. Yeah. Uh, because that is something that's so huge, not only in physical therapy, but just with fitness in general and mechanics and, and all of that. And I love that you brought that up because I think when most people hear pelvic floor that they think exactly what you just described, like just the inner workings, the musculature inside the pelvis, and that's it. And mm -hmm. that's the only reason you would go to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. But you rattled off a couple different um, issues there with like leaking, pain during sex, et cetera. If you had to group it into like the one or two most common reasons someone would see a physical floor therapist, what would it be? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a great question. The most common things I see are surrounding pr pregnancy and birth and postpartum. So you're dealing with pregnancy pain or issues, leaking, whatever. People who want to have um, vaginal births and want to prepare for that to increase their either ability to do that or how well it goes in their recovery after or even all the postpartum stuff that comes with growing a human. So, you know, diastasis recti, the abdominal separating or um, peeing on yourself or just even being nervous about having sex again postpartum. So that's a huge, huge aspect. Um, and then I would say the other second most common is people who are just experiencing pelvic pain for no known reason. Maybe they have low back pain and they've treated it um, as you typically would low back pain and it didn't get better. And so they're thinking their pelvic floor is the culprit um, or people have pubic bone pain or, and let me actually, let me preface this or let me say this. I deal with women. Pelvic health is so much more than that. There's children's pelvic health and men's pelvic health, you know, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, penile pain, low back pain. There's so much that goes into men's health and I'm not mentioning it much because I, specialized mostly in women. So I don't want people to think that men don't need pelvic health too, because they absolutely do. If, you know, men who lift really heavy, they need to consult with a pelvic floor therapist. I would imagine a lot of your listeners, men lift heavy and they hold their breath or they Valsalva when they lift, that can cause a lot of issues down the road. Um, and working with a pelvic floor therapist can help prevent those. So let me just caveat that. I don't want men to feel left out or anything. 
no, I think that's a really good point. I've, and it's something I would have never thought of like as a man to think I need to see a pelvic floor specialist. Now, mm-hmm. if specifically for guys, obviously you specialize with the women, but mm-hmm. as a guy listening, if they're thinking, well, I, I don't have any of those issues. I don't need to worry about that. I would never need to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist. What are some things they should look out for? Like if they have no symptoms, are they good to go or what's the deal? Um, yeah, I mean, if you have no issues whatsoever, you know, I would say women probably need to, especially if you're childbearing years or you want to have a baby or you have, you know, it's good to like do an annual, you know, musculoskeletal visit like you do your regular OB visit. For men, granted, I'm not a man and, man, and I don't work with men um, very often. But usually what I'm seeing is if you are just an average Joe Blow and you are not experiencing anything, you don't need to come see me. You know, you don't need what who needs to come see me or someone who works with men. Obviously, if you're having any issues, you're leaking. You can't hold your urine. Um, You can't hold in gas. You have bowel movement issues. Um, Some men, maybe not your um, listener population, but some men who um, have large guts like large beer bellies or whatever they'll see some abdominal separating like a woman who's been pregnant and that can cause a lot of low back pain um uh, a man who has low back pain and it's not being treated like it should be might be pelvic health issue the only time i would say you should consult without symptoms is if you are a very heavy lifter so if you are lifting very heavy weights maybe you're using a support belt um, if you are regularly valsalving, I would um, consult with a pelvic floor PT just to make sure everything's good and there's nothing you can do to um, prevent anything down the road. Got it. No, that's good to know. That is good to know. Now, you mentioned a few times how you obviously work with women, you specialize in that specifically, and furthermore, in pregnancy and postpartum, if I'm not wrong. Ash, am I correct there in saying that? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading Ash's notes here, so I wanted to double check. But when did that become your specialization, specifically like the pregnancy and postpartum individuals versus just a more broad approach to pelvic floor therapy? Sure, yeah. Um, I would say I probably deal more, more with women. I think that most people I see are pregnant and postpartum just because the nature of the job. Um, but there's a lot of people we see who are newlyweds and having pain with sex or um, older women who are peeing on themselves or shoot, I was 25 when I peed on myself. So it's not always older women. It could be younger women who've never had any kids. So I do see a lot of pregnancy and postpartum, but it's definitely not all that we specialize in. But I would say I honed in, well, gosh, after that eval that I saw, way back, I mean, I really didn't look back from there. I mean, I still will see the occasional um, non-professional athlete, um, but usually it's in conjunction with women's health stuff because um, that's what I love to do. So it's been almost five years, I would say, but I didn't start my practice until it, that's, that was three and a half years ago. Gotcha. Okay. So you just talked about starting your practice. So mm-hmm. online you have various programs. You have like the bladder project, postpartum project, pregnancy project, a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with all of those, can you just briefly take us through like, what was the catalyst for creating those? When did you decide, Hey, I can reach more people and help and heal more people. Like you had mentioned at the top of the episode through these online platforms 
and just kind of walk us through that journey. Yeah. Well, some of your listeners are probably thinking like, oh, this sounds great, but there's not one in my area. And that's a lot of people, unfortunately, because pelvic health is coming up and coming. Um, it's not accessible to a lot of people. Um, either location-wise, it's not accessible. Financially, it might not be accessible. Um, or for a lot of postpartum moms, I mean, I'm experiencing this right now. It's so hard to get out of my house. Like I went for my post-op visit, post, post-op, postpartum visit today. And like, that was my one thing for the day. Like that was my one outing. And it's, it's hard to get out, especially when you have multiples. So creating all of the, the three different pelvic projects, the bladder for incontinence, pregnancy and postpartum ones, it's really just to give people another option. I just think pelvic health is so important and I don't want anyone to have, I don't want anyone to have to say no if they want to say yes. And, and I think that having online programs, it's not the best care, obviously having personalized, it's like, you know, fitness. Yeah. You can do an online fitness class. It would be great, but having a one-on-one personal trainer all the time, like that's ideal, obviously. Um, so I just, my heart was to make it accessible and that's what they do. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's an awesome point that you made of because it is so up and coming, there isn't as much access to it. And that can be, it made me immediately think of back when CrossFit was like first right. coming up, right? In like 2006 and seven, you were like a badass motherfucker <laughs> if you were a CrossFitter because yeah. no one else knew what it was. Yeah. And there were only like 17 gyms in the, in the country. <laughs> but now it's so mainstream. And mm-hmm. I, would, I would hope that the same thing is going to happen with or uh, with pelvic floor therapy in which it becomes more and more mainstream. People understand what it is. There's less hesitancy around seeking the help. And hopefully there'll be more physical therapists in your area that will be able to treat you in person. But in the meantime, having these options online is a great alternative and it's still a way to heal and, and hopefully move forward and get out of whatever pain or issue you're experiencing. Yeah. And thankfully there's so many options. I mean, there are so many, um, pelvic therapists who've created online programs, praise God, because we need them. And you just got to find the one that fits your vibes. So, um, mine are a little bit more tailored to people who, well, who people who are like me and they're a little type a, and they like information. And my goal with these was to empower you to think for yourself not to just tell you what to do. And so um, it's for people who wanna be educated and um, wanna be able to move and birth and age with confidence in their bodies and and not have to rely on someone like me all the time forever. Yeah, I love that. Ash is laughing because that's probably why she started following you in the in the first place because she's a psychopath. <laughs> Literally, my it's so funny. My chiropractor recommend like she sends pregnancy resources, mm-hmm. and you were on it. And so I followed you and that night I was like, listen to how cool her handle is like the plus, is it plus one, plus one physical therapy. I was like, that's such a neat like name. And as soon as I started following you, I was like, okay, I want to be friends. (laughs) I'm glad we're friends now. It's going to be great. If she's creeping you out, just you don't have to talk yeah. to us after this. It's fine. Oh my gosh. No, I'm so She's a little too much for most people. <laughs> uh, amazing. Now you have me all thrown off because I'm just laughing at you. But 
Uh, anyway, getting back to, we were talking about the programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with those programs, if someone wanted to work with you, is they just hop into one of these programs or can they do like a consult or an appointment or how does that work when they're working specifically with you? Because obviously everybody, every coach is, or not coach, every therapist is different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as I know, and I need to check the legality of this, our licensure as a physical therapist is state dependent. So we are not, I'm not licensed in the United States. I'm licensed in the state of Tennessee. And so when COVID hit, the telehealth rules were loosened to where people could consult with medical professionals outside of their state. I do not know if that's been lifted or not, but typically if someone's out of the state of Tennessee, what I recommend is if you're not sure what program to choose, like let's say you're, you're, you've had a baby two years ago, so you're postpartum, but your main issue is you're peeing on yourself. Do you choose the bladder project or do you choose the postpartum project? So, you know, if you're trying to decide on what to do, I highly recommend emailing us or, you know, I can give you a call and we can just talk about which one is going to be best. There is some overlap, obviously, because if it's good for your body, it's probably good for your body, no matter what stage you're in. Um, So if people have questions about what program to choose, I recommend just emailing us via the website, which is pelvicproject.com. But yeah, if you hop into one of those programs, I mean, it takes you from the very beginning. So I'm, what my goal was to put into the programs exactly what I tell my clients. It's just not customized to you, but the same word vomit is in the programs as I do with my clients sitting in front of me. So you just get started. And then all along the way, there's places to ask questions or some people will reach out and say, Hey, I can't do this movement. What's a modification I can do, or this hurts or whatever the question is. Um, there's an, you can make it as interactive and customizable as you want it to be. I love that. And you kind of got into this or at least enough to tangent into it. If someone came to see you in person, for example, or what the, like another pelvic floor physical therapist, mm-hmm. what can they expect like walking into that appointment? Cause I would feel like for most folks and women's, especially if they've never been to a pelvic floor physical therapist after they've called and worked up the courage just to do that, they're probably <laughs> thinking like, what the hell am I about to get into? Like when I yeah. walk in to see this, this woman or this individual. Yeah. Well, if they've been to physical therapy before, just traditional physical therapy, there are some pelvic floor therapists that work in settings like that, where you're in a clinic with several therapists, several patients at the same time. That's where I started actually was in a clinic like that. So there, you know, there's people who take insurance and that's kind of the vibe you're going to get. Um, you'll probably be evaluated in a private treat or treatment room, hopefully. Um, but obviously I chose to work one-on-one with my clients for a reason. I love one-on-one care. And I think in pelvic health, it's extremely important when you're dealing with pain, when you're dealing with all the uncomfortable words, um, it's great to have a one-on-one space. I mean, my initial evals, I get to spend an hour and a half with people. I mean, when was the last time you got to sit down and cry to somebody for an hour and a half? I mean, and that's a lot of what the evals are. A lot of people have a lot of emotions tied to your pelvis. I mean, whether you know it or not, like you might have no trauma or feel like you and your pelvis are hunky dory. But sometimes when you get into the nitty gritty of stuff, like there's some emotions that crop up. 
And so having that set aside space is really important. Um, what you can expect is hopefully a really thorough conversation where you get to just share what's going on, what your goals are, your fitness goals, what you're wanting to get back to, um, what sexual positions you can't do that you want to be able to do, you know, whatever it is that you're in for. Um, we do a thorough external screen. So we're looking at how you move. And then if it's pertinent, we'll do a vaginal exam. Um, or some people do um, need rectal exams in men's health. Obviously, you don't have a vagina. So, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's really good information. And I I love the point you brought up, brought up about just spending that much time with someone and getting into really like the roots of the issues and digging deeper into some of the emotions that are behind these these symptoms and issues you're experiencing. And we talk about this all the time uh, when it comes to our clients that a lot of times we're not talking about fitness or nutrition. We're really talking about like emotions and habits and behavior change. And it's really more almost like therapy than it yeah. is like actual physical exertion or nutritional execution. And I would assume you probably feel the same in those, especially those initial consults where you're really just trying to get this person comfortable. You're trying to help them through these emotions and these struggles. Uh, and you are kind of acting like an actual therapist versus a physical therapist. Right. I'm yeah, it really, that's so true. Derek, that's so true. And I think every person, whether it's fitness or nutrition or their health, um, it's so important to have a why behind what you're with the change you're trying to make. So whether it's, you know, nutrition, I feel like there's a lot of whys behind that or fitness. There's a lot of whys behind that, but even in pelvic health, you know, you got a, a mom of three who comes in and she's peeing on herself when she tries to do jump rope at the gym. And you think, oh, well, she probably is not going to be crying in my office, you know, but you'd be surprised because you ask her, okay, well, why is it so important to you that you're willing to pay all this money and spend all this time to stop peeing on yourself when you jump rope, just wear a pad or whatever. And she's like, no, I want to not pee. Okay. Well, why? Because I want to be able to jump on the trampoline with my kids. Okay. Well, why? And you keep digging and you find out that her mom never really played with them when they were kids and she wants to be a better mom for her, for her kids. So she feels like if she can't jump and play with her kids, she's a bad mom and she's failing and she's not meeting her expectations as a mom. So getting down to those things, you'd be, I say, you'd be surprised. You probably wouldn't, y'all probably wouldn't be surprised at how deep it can really go. Yeah. But someone listening might be surprised because they're sitting there thinking, ah, like it's not a big deal or like I've got, I've got my shit together until you start asking those difficult questions and then when they mm -hmm. give you an answer asking an even harder question after that you can really yeah. like you said dig down and get to some some deeper issues so all of that said when we're talking about pelvic floor physical therapy if someone is listening they're experiencing pain or mm -hmm. they're experiencing some sort of other issue like what would your tips or recommendations be for them aside from like, Hey, go find a pelvic floor physical therapist. Is there anything yeah. they can do prior to that to try to help themselves? Sure. Um, it's hard to give general advice because you kind of have to figure out what the root issue is. But I will say with most every person that steps in front of me, um, the two things that I think everybody could benefit from, um, are breathing and down regulating. So if you can tap into the power of your breath, you can transform your life. 
Um, most people are breathing um, in an inefficient way. So a great way to test it is if you just take a big inhale, do a few big inhales and see what's happening in your body. So start with like your neck, what's happening in your neck, what's happening in your rib cage, what's happening in your stomach, your pelvic floor, what is happening when you take a big inhale. Ideally, what we want to see is a big 360 expansion of your lower rib cage. So um, I'm going to try to explain it verbally since obviously people can't see me. But a lot of people, when they inhale, they kind of suck in and lift up their chest. They get a lot of firing of their neck. Um, and obviously that's an exaggerated inhale, but if you're doing it when you exaggerate, you're probably low key doing it all the time. When you suck in like that to take an inhale, you're not using your diaphragm. And that's so important when you're trying to do incredible things like work out or tap into your potential as a athlete or at the gym. But it's even important when you're just living life. So if you can learn to take really big breaths in with your nose and use your diaphragm appropriately, you're going to tap into your rest and digest systems of your body. It's going to keep you calm. It's going to help your pelvic floor move well. It's going to decrease pain. It's going to, it just fixes a lot of things. You'd be surprised at how many people come in. I fix their breath. I fix their pain or I fix their incontinence or whatever it is. Um, and then that ties into down-regulating. Our world is so stimulated right now with everything, electronics, and we got to do this and pick up the kids and drive and advertisements coming at us all the time. We're all kind of turned on all the time. And so learning how to power down regularly throughout the day is a game changer, especially for pain. Um, you know, Ashley, you were talking about having some pregnancy pain. A lot of it's because your body is undergoing so much change. And so learning to use your breath and learning to turn down is going to help a ton now. And then it's going to help a ton in labor. So it's just, that's my go-to advice to start. Yeah, that's, it's funny. Cause I've, I've looked a lot into like breathing since being pregnant and I'm like, wow, yep. I've never, like I I'm the shoulder breather, the chest breather, like everything and now I have to very consciously breathe through my diaphragm and it's just again it's gonna be practice on practice yeah but that movement not only is it gonna help you just during your pregnancy but learning how to inhale down into your pelvic floor as opposed to lifting up when you inhale that's gonna help so much when you're laboring and that pushing stage of labor comes and you're trying to figure out how to get this baby out of your body if you've been practicing that breath, it's going to decrease your risk of tearing, decrease your risk of prolapse, which is when your organs try to fall out your vagina or your butthole for men, because yes, prolapse can happen for men too. Um, that's one of the things I was talking about with heavy lifting prolapse, but, um, or it'll decrease incontinence postpartum, all the things. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that I have been very aware of uh recently so what you're saying is when she's in labor i should just be screaming at her like down regulate <laughs> go on <laughs> or is oh it or she slipped my throat no. <laughs> no definitely definitely don't do that i mean hey if you want to learn how to be a kick butt birth partner you need to talk to my husband because both labors dama freaking needed and i am not an easy person to coach i am a very difficult person to coach and he 
just did an amazing job. So, yes. but I can tell you, never once did he yell at me to downregulate. So that might not be <laughs> okay. the best advice. So check. Okay, Don't so do next that. podcast, we're inviting your husband as well. Yes. <laughs> Justin talks birth partnering. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's also yeah. incredibly difficult to coach because yeah. I had to do it for her when she was a competitive CrossFitter, and then. We had to navigate that. So birth is going to be a whole another animal. So I better, yeah. I'm going to have to have like body armor on a neck guard. So she doesn't just slit it right open. Oh, Maybe no, one of the mask. things that helped me relax my pelvic floor and my face during labor was to squeeze a comb. So I had a comb in my hand and squeezed it. Um, but sometimes I didn't have the comb and I had the back of Justin's arm. And so like, the top part of his arm and so as soon as that baby came out someone got him ice because it was so, <laughs> i was gonna so say that's bad. a bad part like that hurts yeah i just, tell you he's a champ he's a champ that's so funny and it's funny you brought up the comb i just heard about that for the first time yeah. today yeah i didn't know about it in my first um labor but i saw a patient of mine her birth picture she had a comb in her hand and i was like i'm gonna try that and there's so much that could be tied into just that same principle with pelvic health or even just working out, you know, where is your tension in your body? Like if you want to be super powerful in your glutes and your quads when you're lifting, um, where is the tension elsewhere? Because anyway, there's just a whole like, you could just tie it into everything. Labor is a good lesson for every aspect of life. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> and now speaking of labor, you have one baby girl that's a little over a year old or no right a yeah year? yeah now so a little you over a year 14 15 months 16 yeah months? she just <laughs> turned 16 months old yeah and then over you recently just had a boy at the end of february so seven weeks we were talking about that at the yeah. beginning of the podcast before we started recording so number first congratulations but second what's been the biggest surprise like of motherhood so far over these last year and a half? I'm an incredibly selfish person. I think that's the biggest um, surprise you notice when you have kids, um, just how incredibly selfish you are with your time and what you want to do with your life. And now there's these little humans that need you. And someone told us, we just had our second. So someone told us having one kid changes your life, but having two changes your lifestyle. So I know y'all coach a lot of parents. And so learning, I've had to, I'm still trying to figure out how am I going to work out with two kids? How am I going to make this happen? Which I know right now I'm still very much in that fourth trimester stage. So I'm trying to have a lot of grace with myself, um, but it's my job to be in the fitness world. So it's been hard to be patient with myself and know that I will figure it out at some point. It'll be fine. But I think that's been, the biggest surprise is just how much of your life becomes about these little creatures. And it's a good thing. It's not like a, Oh, I don't have any time anymore. Don't get me wrong. I still sometimes feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I miss those days, you know, but um, it's like, I think Judy Garland said this or something, but it's like, you're walking around with your heart outside your body. And there's these little creatures that you would just do anything for. And it's the most amazing thing in the entire world. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it was, as soon as you said the selfishness thing, it's funny. We, we have a small group with a few of our uh, friends and they're all couples, but in it, we listen to a podcast every week and then we get together and talk about it and just kind of do life together. But 
this most recent podcast we were listening to, and this is not the first time I've heard it. They're talking about like what was their biggest surprise in marriage. So not childbirth, mm-hmm. but marriage. And they all said the exact same thing that you just said about realizing yeah. how selfish they were once they got married. And so I can only imagine, cause I've, I've experienced that as well. But then when you have a kid that has mm-hmm. to be just like 10 X because now it's not like another adult <laughs> who you can like be passive aggressive with and try right. to like psychologically like just destroy them it's a little baby human nice. you know what i'm talking about we all we've all oh, done it I, we've all 100% done it. know what you're talking about like you're sitting in the corner you're like i'm gonna get him good because all i need to say is this one yes. thing and he's gonna fucking lose it uh, yes. but then you have a little no, human no, and see. you're like holy crap yeah someone told me they said, if you value stability and you want a very stable, flatline life, stay single. Because um, as soon as you get married, your highs get higher, but your lows get lower. And then as soon as you have kids, your highs get even higher, but your lows get even lower. And so I, yes, life is a roller coaster, but I wouldn't trade that roller coaster. It's, it's a good ride to be on. Absolutely. And this question wasn't in the notes or the outline we sent you, but I'm curious. Oh, so no. I'm putting you on the spot. Don't oh, worry. No. It'll be easy. <laughs> Ashley's freaking out. But um, that said, how you were just talking about, now I'm trying to retrace my thoughts because it just slipped my mind because Ash, her nervousness, Sorry. I think, trans- <laughs> transferred over to me. Um, but we're talking about having kids and the selfishness that comes into it when you and your husband are sitting there and you're like, wow, like, look at what we've done. We have these two beautiful children. Do you guys ever have the conversation of, okay, like these kids are our life, but we also need to make sure we prioritize our ourselves, like our relationship, our marriage. Cause I feel like a lot of times parents, especially new parents, the kids come along and it's just like, boop, and the scale yeah. tilts and then they never go back to prioritizing their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it becomes, a matter of what's your worldview. So our worldview is very much our children are our ministry. They are not even our kids. They're God's kids and we're just foster parenting them. And so it really does help keep things in perspective. Um, it helps me. I still struggle and I probably will, especially when they get older, that like my worth is not dependent on how they behave or what they do with their life. Um, and there's other ministries and things that we value in life. Like I love my practice and I'm growing my practice. I'm still working to grow that and reach more women. And so just because I have children doesn't mean that I'm still not super passionate about that and, um, writing a book and getting that published and that none of those things stop when I have children, um, they might slow down and I have to, again, figure out how to work out and finish the book and all the things that, um, yeah, it has to be just like, I mean, y'all know y'all been married. Staying married is an intentional decision. Um, keeping your marriage alive when you have kids is an intentional decision. No, it's, if you, it's not intentional, you're just going to let your kids overwhelm your life. It's super easy to do. Yeah. I'm sure. I can't say I know, but I'm sure that will be the case. Uh, Well, really to wrap things up here, I guess the last question would be, we were just talking about parenthood and motherhood specifically. Do you have any tips and tricks for anyone listening that's either a soon-to-be mom or a new mom that you have found over your experience with your kids? I selfishly put this question in there. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. 
I know. As I was reading it, I was like, maybe it'll help because there's like obviously lots of things. So, are you talking specifically like the physical PT realm? Are you talking like relationally? What do you feel like you most care about right now? Hmm, that's a good question. I feel like maybe like the physical side of things, like therapy side of things. Yeah. What do I wish all moms knew? One is it's never too early or too late to get help. Um, I'd much rather prevent problems than try and fix them. But even if you're experiencing something, it's not too late to fix it. Um, I would say that plan for the birth that you want to have, but be flexible and then also plan for the rehab that you want to have because it's not just about the birth. I mean, once the baby comes, there's so much more that happens after that. You don't, that's not the finish line. Unfortunately, when that birth, that baby comes past the birth canal, that is not the finish line. There's so much more physically that happens. Um, I think the best advice I can give you, Ashley, and anybody, any mom um, about to be mom, whatever, listening is in those early postpartum weeks, spend a week in bed, a week on the bed, and a week next to the bed. And what I mean by that is try and spend a week horizontal as much as possible. Um, The second week, do more sitting. The third week, you can do more standing and um, walking around. One of the biggest mistakes I see are healthy people who try and go work out or go on a long walk way too soon. Um, If you... If you had somebody who just had a hip replacement come talk to y'all and say, I want to work out and they had a hip replacement three weeks ago, you would say, absolutely not. Like you need to wait until those post-op precautions have been lifted. Um, We're going to start you off really slow. Um, The same advice goes to you. You underwent a major body change and you need to respect that. And the more pelvic rest you can get, the less you're going to have to see somebody like me in your future. Okay. I love that. That's really good advice. Are you going to just want to kill yourself by the time that third week happens? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I've never done anything like that before, but I feel like you have to just You are going to feel physically ready way sooner. Like some people feel like week one, I had a patient five days postpartum, went to the gym. Now there was a reason she was coming to see me, obviously, but um you're going to want to do stuff, especially if you're like me, you're going to want to control your environment and clean and be anal about things. Um, but just let it go and try and rest as much as possible. I think you two really could be friends. I'm yeah. Genuinely. I'm sensing (laughs) a vibe here, Ashley. I really (laughs) Just like reflections of each other. It sounds like, uh, no, that's awesome. And I think really good advice. Hopefully not only Ash, but anybody else listening that heard that maybe it was like a, Oh shit moment of, I guess I'm not going to be up and at them within <laughs> seven days after no. pregnancy and back in no. the, in the gym. Right. Well be, and be gracious if you are like, I didn't get to follow that advice with my baby because he had all this health stuff and I was going to the doctor and I was lifting the car seat and- And that's why you prepare. That's why I did as much strengthening as I could during my pregnancy. That's why I controlled that pushing stage of labor, labor, labor. So I didn't like mess up a lot of stuff. And um, so I was able to handle it, but I I didn't get to follow that advice. So just be gracious. Even if you can't, it's okay. Your body is very awesome at adapting and healing. Yeah. I love that. Well, to close things out, if 
folks listening want to find out more about you, the programs you offer, or just follow along with your journey, where can they find you? How can they get in contact with you? Yeah. Um, the, I mean, I say follow me on Instagram, but I'm really bad at it. Um, but there's a lot of backlog of Instagram at uh, plus one physical therapy is our Instagram. And there's a ton of education on there. Um, our website for the online programs is pelvicproject.com. If you're in the local area, or if you're in Tennessee and want to hang, um, I'd love to get coffee. That would be great. Um, you can go to plus1pt.net, all spelled out. Um, but if you go to the pelvic project and you want to do a pelvic project, you can use the code ballistic with two L's to um, get a discount on the program. And I'll give them a link to put in as well, make it easy for you guys to sign up if you want to. But Hey, seriously, if any of your listeners are in the area, please hit me up because I love to meet new people. <laughs> I, now, Ash is going to, we're going to get off here and Ash is going to say, <laughs> we're going to have to go, we to have Tennessee. to go visit Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Please do. <laughs> I've never been, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> Nashville is a very fun place. Highly recommend. Are you close to Nashville? We actually moved, the more responsibilities we got in life, the further from actual Nashville we got when we first moved here we were newlyweds no responsibilities lived in downtown Nashville and then we slowly have moved further and further south so right now we're closer to Franklin if you're familiar with the area Franklin's also super cute cool okay well if you ever if she ever stalks you I'm gonna (laughs) I'm sorry and I will not be a part of it if if something weird happens no no come on down we'd love it Justin will come hang with us talk to you about being a birth partner yeah there, there we go uh well i will put all of that in the show notes how to find you programs etc and yeah it was a fantastic conversation we appreciate you so much for for joining us even with the little one there strapped to your chest and <laughs> it was incredible just he was completely quiet the whole time yeah, for the listeners who can't, if you're hearing anything weird, it's because I'm sitting on a stability ball and I've been bouncing him the entire time to keep him quiet. So yeah, I like have motion He's... sickness from this <laughs> interview. <laughs> he stayed asleep. So all you parents asleep. out there invest in a stability ball. Highly recommend. Yep. God bless. God bless. No, I appreciate it so much. And yeah, we just super pumped to have the conversation. Hopefully we'll have you on the yeah. show again soon. Well, I really appreciate you giving public health a platform. We need all the exposure we can get. Educate. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform. Lastly, if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballisticperformance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com. Again, We appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.